Somebody ought to just let it slip past your lips. Jesus. 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 We love you, Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 1. And then we'll skip to verse 4 for the sake of time. And verse 6. This is one of those messages that the Lord has laid very specifically on my heart. And I realize that I'm going to be preaching to a targeted group of people. The Holy Ghost wants to minister to a segment of this church in a unique way. And so what that means is if perhaps this message isn't preaching directly into where you are today, what I need you to do is love everybody else enough to preach with me. Will you do that? Anybody came to lift up the name of Jesus? You came to, you came to see somebody edified? And who knows, if you, if you open your heart, this message might just be for you, and you may not even realize it at first. 1 Samuel 30 and 1, a tragic passage of Scripture, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Verse 4, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 6, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. And without fail, recover all. I'd like to preach from this subject, captured, not killed. Lift up your hands and ask the Lord to minister to us. Right now, God, I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit in this place. I, I feel a spiritual electricity sweeping through this auditorium. I pray that you would help somebody today, encourage somebody today, someone who is in distress, Lord. They've cried tears even this morning. And I pray that you would help us to realize that we shall recover all in Jesus' name. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. The life of David is one of the most interesting and well-recorded stories in the Bible. As a teenager, he went from lowly shepherd to God's anointed to giant killer to national hero almost without missing a beat. But things went from bad, from good to bad, and from bad to good, and from good to bad very quickly. King Saul became insanely jealous of David's popularity and started planning ways to murder him. During this time, David lived life on the run as a wanted fugitive. He wandered and lived life in hiding with a small but faithful band of warriors. 
David and his mighty men of valor spent four long years wandering, hiding in caves, going from wilderness camp to wilderness camp, just barely escaping and evading the armies of King Saul. Finally, after four years of living that way, David formed a truce with the king of the Philistines to live peacefully in a small city called Ziklag, a small town that sat on the border of Judah, Philistia, and Amalek. This means that David was central to three groups of people that wanted to see him dead. They were surrounded by hostile enemies on every side. They lived this way for four more years. I'm trying to help someone understand this morning that David endured almost a decade of hardship after the warm oil of anointing ran down his face onto the ground. He endured almost a decade of struggle long after he lifted up Goliath's severed head in victory. He suffered a decade of trials long after watching the Philistines run from his sword after he had simply slung a rock with a slingshot. He had gone through all of this. He persevered through every hardship, trial, every situation. He kept a good attitude. He kept a right spirit. And he gained a loyal following during this time. In fact, it might even be said that much of the respect that David enjoyed later in life was earned during his time on the run. People loved and respected David even more because they had watched him endure hardship without losing the will to worship. Let me just stop and preach to somebody who's in a wilderness right now. You better learn how to worship God in the wilderness. You better learn how to give God a humble hallelujah. But you don't understand, God anointed me. I shouldn't have to live this way. You better go ahead and lift up your hands in the wilderness. Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. There's a world that's watching you. There are people who are looking to see, will you give God praise in the wilderness times? Or can you only worship when giants are falling? Can you only worship when the hot oil of anointing is running down your head? Can you only give God praise when the prophet is laying his hand on your forehead? Or Will you give the Lord all of your worship? Ha <laughs> ha. I will bless the Lord at all times, David said, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Somebody open up your mouth. Somebody's in a wilderness this morning. Lift up your voice and fill it with praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I will bless the Lord at all times. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. One day, at the end of almost exactly eight years, David and his men had been gone for three days. And during their absence, the Amalekites swooped into Ziklag, their sanctuary city, and captured their wives, their children, and all of their earthly possessions. And then they burned the city 
to the ground. You can imagine the horror that David and his men must have felt as they rode back into the camp and they could see the smoke rising into the sky. You can imagine the heartbreak that they must have felt as they smelled the sulfur and looked at the ashes on the ground when they stepped into their sanctuary city and realized that everything they had ever owned, everyone that they had ever loved, everything they were fighting for in the first place, everything they had ever given themselves over to was gone and destroyed. And they looked in this moment. They had no idea whether or not their wives and their children were dead or not. They could only assume that their families had been slaughtered. They could only assume that even if they had not yet been slaughtered, that they were soon to be slaughtered and tortured underneath the barbaric hand of the cruel Amalekites. If ever there was a hopeless situation, this was it. All of their hopes and dreams seemed to be dead. They were powerless, afraid, and embittered. They wept, the Bible says, until they could weep no longer. They wept until they were physically unable to cry another tear. They became so frustrated and angry that even David's most loyal, mighty men of valor who had rode into battle with him countless times, they began to consider the possibility of stoning David to death because of the situation that he had led them into. They were blind in their anger. They were furious in their bitterness. Sure could be no happy ending to this story. Surely this would only end in death and pain and frustration. But little did they know that their families and their children and their possessions had only been captured. They had not been killed. It had not been destroyed. It had only been captured. Some of you feel this way today about your God-given hopes and dreams. You're looking at the smoldering heaps of promises and blessings that God gave you, and you're wondering if this is where the story ends. Some of you have felt the hot oil of anointing in your life, but now you look at your anointing, and it seems as if it is dead on the ground. Some of you are looking at your own families, and it seems as if the enemy has carried them away and is about to slaughter them in his own own camp. Some of you are wondering if you will ever go back to the way things used to be. You've lashed out at God in your pain. You've lashed out at the man of God in your pain. Bitterness has filled your heart because you don't understand how God could reward your faithfulness with pain. You've suffered in the wilderness and you kept a right spirit. You suffered when the enemy was fighting you head on and you were faithful in the hard times but this pain 
pain is just too much for you to bear. You're not sure if you can wake up and make it another day. You're not sure if you can serve God another moment. I'm helping somebody right now. You see the smoke rising in the sky and you feel like giving up. But I've got a word for somebody this morning. The enemy can only capture, but it cannot kill what God has given to you. I said the enemy can only capture, but it cannot kill what God has given to you. It's only captured. It's not dead yet. Oh, I'm going to preach to somebody now. Your joy has been captured, but it has not been killed. Weeping may endure for the night, but, but joy cometh in the morning. They that sow in sorrow will reap in joy. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Somebody needs to help me preach right now. We may be perplexed, but we are not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Because the enemy can't kill what God has called. That was the Holy Ghost speaking right into someone's heart. You ought to lift your hands and receive it. I said the enemy cannot kill what God has called. Ha ha. Hit Listen to me, Job. Listen to me carefully, Job. The enemy can take it from you, but he can't keep it from you. Listen to me, Silas. The enemy can put you in chains, but he can't keep you in chains. Hear me, Martha. The enemy might call Lazarus dead, but Jesus says he's only sleeping because the enemy can't kill what God has called. Mary, don't weep. Martha, don't mourn because Jesus is about to call into the grave and bring out that which seems dead and give it life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody lift up your hands and receive that word this morning. Come on, Martha, lift up your hand. Come on, Mary. Mary, don't weep. Mary, don't weep. It's only captured. It's not killed. Silas, go ahead and praise him. Go ahead, Paul, and praise him at midnight. It's not over. Anybody feel the electricity of the Holy Ghost in this place? I can literally feel it surging through this building. God's about to heal somebody's body. God's about to break some chains. God's about to loose something. God's about to deliver somebody's mind from the bondage of depression. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to preach long. I'm not going to preach long. Listen. All the faithful Shunammite woman ever wanted was a son. I'm preaching to faithful people this morning. These promises are for the faithful. If you're not faithful, learn to be faithful and these promises will be for you. 
All the Shunammite woman ever wanted was a son. So Elisha prayed, and God, gave her a son. Hallelujah. But one day when her son was grown, her precious miracle boy mysteriously died in the field. She ran to find Elisha. And as she was leaving, her husband didn't even know what had happened. He said, sweetheart, are you okay? And she said, all is well. Oh, my God. And she ran to find Elisha. And they saw her coming in the distance. Elisha looked at his servant. He said, I want you to go ask her what's, if she's okay. That precious woman, I love her. She, she built a little house for us. She's taken care of us. She's provided for us. She's a precious woman of faith. She's a woman of God. Go find out. It's unusual for her to be out here like this. Ask her what's going on. And so the servant ran to her and said, are you okay? And she said, oh. Some of you need to get the revelation of what it means to speak faith. <laughs> Her son lay dead on the bed, and she is saying, all, all is well. Why? Because she knew the enemy can't truly kill what God has truly given. The enemy can't take what God has given. Hallelujah. She knew it might seem hopeless, but God can step in to the situation. And so when she got to the man of God, she got down on her knees and she got down on her face and she said, Oh, prophet. Did you do this miracle in my life just for it to die in my home? And so he went back with her and he stretched himself out over that boy's body. And he breathed breath into that boy's lungs. He put his hands on that boy's hands and he began to pray. And as he prayed, all of a sudden the boy began to cough and breath began to fill his lungs. And he sat up in that bed because he was only captured. He was not killed. I'm preaching to you today, Shunammite woman. It's not dead yet. I know it looks dead. I know it sounds dead. I know it smells dead. But the enemy can't kill. He can only capture what God has given. Somebody receive that with a hand clap and a shout. Somebody ought to receive it with a dance. Somebody ought to receive it with a high praise of hallelujah. You know how we used to sing it? We used to sing it this way. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. This anointing that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. This Holy Ghost that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. This one God Jesus name message, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. This peace that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world, I said the world 
cannot take it if God gave it to you. Hallelujah. 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 Listen to me, Joseph. You might be in a pit or in a prison, but your dream is not dead. It's only delayed by divine design. Some of y'all need to think about that for a moment. Sometimes God allows it to look dead because he's setting you up for the big moment. God is, why am I going through this preacher? Because God is setting you up for a showdown with hell. Why am I suffering like this preacher? Because God is setting you up for a showdown with unbelievers. Why am I having to endure this pain? Because God is setting you up to save much people alive. Why do I have to be through this preacher? Because God is working all things together for good for those who love and trust him. Captured, not killed. Look at your neighbor and say, captured, not killed. Come on, come on, look at him, look him in the eye. Some of you still don't believe it. You think it's dead, you think it's over. Come on, Mary, look him right in the eye and say, it's only captured, it's not killed. I can hear Mary, I can hear Martha right now. I can feel your spirit. You're saying, but preacher, it stinks. It's been there for a long time, and it's a rotting corpse. I'm looking you in the eye and telling you, it is only captured, it is not killed. Oh, but you don't understand. If we go in there, it's just going to be a corpse. It is captured, but not killed, because God is about to speak into the tomb. Now, now I'm almost done. One page, one page, and we're done. Now, all of this is only comforting. All of this is only comforting if you have this next revelation. Because it's wonderful to know that my family's not dead, my dreams aren't dead, my anointing's not dead, my joy's not dead, my peace isn't dead. It's wonderful to know that it's alive and that it's out there somewhere. But that only helps you if you get the revelation that you can get it back. See, there's a whole lot of people with dreams and promises and anointing that are not dead, but they're still captured. And it's not doing them any good because they're still weeping in the home camp. I'm going to tell you, you've got to be like David. Let me tell you what David did. The Bible says that David was discouraged and depressed just like everybody else. But he had learned something because he had the heart of a worshiper. He said, I will encourage myself. In the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and lift up my head towards the hills. Because that's where my help cometh from. I understand that the Lord Almighty is the source of my strength. I understand I can't get my kids back. I can't get my wife back. I can't get my stuff back. I can't get my anointing back. I can't get my joy back. Until I recognize that God is the giver of all good things. Ha <laughs> ha. Somebody 
encourage yourself in the Lord right now. That's what some of you need to do. You came in here weary, depressed, downtrodden. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. You haven't spoken tongues in 18 years. You better open up your mouth and encourage yourself in the Holy Ghost this morning. And David still didn't know what to do. He was encouraging himself in the Lord. And he wasn't sure what direction to go. And so he called for the priest. I need Brother T, the priest here, to run. And he said, I, I need the priest to bring me the ephod. The ephod was the priestly Levitical garment of praise. It was the garment of prayer, and it was the garment of faithfulness, and it was the garment of consecration, and it was the garment of anointing. And David said to the priest, please bring me the ephod until this moment. Throughout the eight long years of him wandering in the wilderness, we never read one time where David called for anyone to bring him the ephod. But when he got in his darkest moment and he didn't know if he'd ever get any of his loved ones back, he said, I need a preacher to bring, to bring me an ephod. And he grabbed that ephod from the man of God and he put it over his shoulder. You know what he was doing? He was putting on the garment of praise. That's what someone needs to do. You want to get your stuff back? You better get an ephod of praise. You want the spirit of heaviness to be lifted? You want the spirit of depression to be lifted? You want the spirit of suicide to be lifted? You want the spirit of addiction to be lifted? You better get an ephod of praise. Hallelujah. And he got the umum, and he got the thermond, and he inquired, and he inquired. Someone said he prayed. Someone shout prayer. And he prayed, and he said, Lord God, what do you want me to do? That's where some of you are right now. But you know why God hasn't answered? You didn't get an ephod first. Oh, about, about one-fourth of us got that. I said, the reason that some of your prayers are going unanswered is because you did not get an ephod first. You better get an ephod of praise, an ephod of consecration. You better get the garment of holiness. And after he had done all of these things, he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, pursue the enemy. And if you pursue the enemy... God gave him a promise. You're going to get it all back. You're going to get your kids back. You're going to get your wife back. You're going to get your stuff back. You're going to get everything back. And once more, when he went into the enemy's camp, he left the enemy's camp with more than he had ever had in the first place. Let me tell you what's going to happen. If you will charge the enemy's camp, God is going to give you a greater anointing than you ever had. God is going to give you more blessings than you had in the first place. God is going to do more than you ever thought possible. Stand with me all across the building. Musicians, I want you to come.
Here's what I want somebody to do this morning. Listen, I'm done. Two days after David got back from raiding the enemy's camp, he got all of his things, his wife, his kids, everything. No one was harmed. No one was touched. Nothing was destroyed. Two days after he put the ephod on, consecrated himself, prayed, obeyed the voice of God, pursued the enemy. Two days after he got back, the word came, Saul is dead. Saul had been trying to kill him for eight years. Saul is dead. Some of you, I'm preaching to someone right now. Some of you have been plagued by things for a decade. Oh, Jesus. Some of you have been battling addictions, secret addictions, for a decade. Some of you have scars in your body. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this morning. If you will raid the enemy's camp, word is going to come. Saul is dead. Saul is dead. And you're going to step into your anointing. You're going to step into your promise. But you've got to go to the enemy's camp first. You're not going to go to the palace until you go to the enemy's camp. You're not going to go to the throne room until you invade the enemy's camp. Somebody ought to run to this altar. Somebody ought to grab an ephod of praise and just charge the enemy's camp right now. Come on, come on. Somebody needs to reclaim your joy right now.